Now, as I mentioned, I am not preaching this morning. Uh, one of our pastors, Jeremiah, is, and I'll invite him up in just a moment. But before I do, let me share a little story about Jeremiah. Uh, he, didn't, he doesn't know I'm doing this. That's sort of impromptu. Uh, this past week, our, all of our full-time staff uh, went out of town on a retreat, and we were on a lake. And a lot of the afternoons were spent on the pontoon boat, and we would just kind of ride around the lake. And the first time we went out on the pontoon, uh, we're all hanging out, and it was this moment where we're like, where's Jeremiah? I, he, was on, he was on the boat when we got on. And we're all just hanging out in the back of the pontoon, and we realized that Jeremiah had fallen asleep in the front of the boat. It was the most Jesus-like thing I'd ever seen, <laughs> just snoozing away while the disciples are goofing off. So uh, I am so excited you get to hear from Jeremiah. Uh, he, I've mentioned, is one of our pastors here, uh, but he's also just a sweet, sweet friend, and I'm excited that you get to hear from him this morning. Would you please welcome Jeremiah Duncan to the stage? Thank you, Justin. <laughs> Thank you for embarrassing me in front of everyone as well. <laughs> no, true story, I can fall asleep almost anywhere. Um, I'm excited to be here with you. I'm excited to share. Can we just, uh, just start with prayer real quick? Uh, Father in heaven, uh, we give you praise for who you are. And uh, we are so thankful for the conversation that we get to have this morning, the conversation that we started a couple weeks ago and we're continuing. And this morning, as as we introduce two new words to the conversation, delight and worship. Father, I pray that we would uh, find meaning in those words this morning. We find a renewal and a refreshment in those words and help us wherever we are coming from to get there together as a family, but also just each one of us individually, Lord. Uh, let us reflect on our own rhythms and let us, uh, as I said, find you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, uh, I don't know about you, but this Sabbath series has been uh, pretty convicting, uh, pretty challenging, and at the same time, uh, very encouraging. Um, so before I get started, I need to tell you something of total confession. Um, I am dumb. <laughs> it's true. A couple weeks ago, uh, Justin uh, had introduced the series. He said, to uh, not take Sabbath is not sinful it's just dumb. Uh, you should do it. Uh, now, we all laughed at that comment. Uh, we kind of got a chuckle out of all of us. But at the same time, we also knew deep down he was onto something, wasn't he? Um, I have a long history of not practicing Sabbath, and it's affected our family. Uh, early in our marriage, we were uh, crazy and uh, poor. We were crazy, poor, and happy. Um, <laughs> Laura stayed home with the kids. And I worked uh, seven days a week, uh, multiple jobs, and trying to go to school, trying to balance all the things that, that you do as a young family. And it was not uncommon for me to, you know, to miss meals or to miss significant family events in those early days of our marriage. And then later on in our marriage, we were just dumb and happy. Uh, as a solo pastor, um, I made myself available uh, most days of the week, seven days a week. I was pretty much available for anything. And again, it was not uncommon for me to miss meals or other family events. I basically had kept up the pattern that I had set for myself or set for our family early on in our marriage. I say we were happy, um, but that really wasn't the whole truth. That isn't the truth. Um, because we were missing something. I was missing something personally. 
I knew something was lacking, and it's taken me a long time to find it. Uh, in fact, I, I think I'm still finding it. I, I don't know if I have found it, you know. Um, as I've been interacting with folks here, you know, I discovered that I'm not the only one. Uh, a couple weeks ago, we had that social media poll going around on uh, of polling the people of our church, and, you know, over 70% of the people who responded to that poll said that they do not regularly practice Sabbath. So we're all in this together. Um, and again, I heard recently that, that 68, you get this, 68% of us do work while on vacation. Uh, this is according to a survey uh, done by Elevator, uh, which is an online learning platform. Now get this, when Newsweek needed a quote about the survey from the CEO of Elevator, he responded while vacationing with his family in Italy. <laughs> is that not telling? It's telling. So, uh, so when Justin asked me to preach this series, you know, I tried to be cool about it. Um, I agreed to it, but on the inside, uh, I was terrified. Because the question is, is what, do I, what do I have to offer? Uh, I'm grateful for this series uh, because I know that I needed help finding the thing that I was missing. I'm grateful to share because in, in the preparation for sharing, I've been digging and searching and hopefully maybe finding the thing that I've been missing. Um, but in the process, I've learned a new word. It's a word that I have seen. It's a word that I have used. It's a word that I know how to spell. It's a good word. Uh, but it's a word that I don't think I've ever really understood. And that word is delight. Delight. So we're going to get there. I'm going to talk about that story, or that word. But first, I need to tell you a story. Uh, last year, I was transported to another time and place. It was Friday, May 13, 2022. It was a memorable day because it was my anniversary, but I was in Israel. And my wife was on the other side of the world from me, and I missed her. It was a memorable day because my students and I, we had been in Jerusalem for a few days, and we experienced firsthand the chaos of the region. Uh, a journalist had been killed, and her body was being carried through the old city, accompanied by mourners and some crowds of other people. And sadly, uh, violence erupted during the, uh, during the procession. And some of my students were sort of caught up in the crowd, and, and they had witnessed this, and they were, because it was kind of near the city gate, and they're trying to get out. Thankfully, none of my students were harmed. It was also a memorable day because it was the beginning of Sabbath. Uh, now, I didn't go into Old Town, Old Jerusalem that day. I had stayed near and around the hotel because I wanted to read and write about uh, some of the things we've seen and experienced. And on that particular day, I had a headache. And so I set out for the pharmacy. And on the way there, I, you know, you know we, were, we were in a pretty uh, swanky part of Jerusalem, and uh, the, you know, uh, the shops, there were a lot of these shops, and they would have like musicians in the street, and like the nightlife was fun in Jerusalem. And, you know, and even during the day, there was, uh, you know, there was a lot of excitement, there's a lot of things going on. And then, um, and so, um, and they even have like their own version of the Max running on, uh, uh, running there. And so, uh, so anyway, so I was on my way to the pharmacy, the streets were lively and busy. And, you know, and it was cool, and I thought, oh, maybe I might do some shopping on the way back or something. Um, but on the way back to the hotel from the pharmacy, I noticed that the streets and the shops began to close. 
it, it, was, uh, it was getting close to 4 p.m. in the afternoon. And uh, at that point, the only thing I could do was return to the hotel. And uh, even while at the hotel later that night, they had served us a meal that had been prepared earlier in the day because Friday was preparation for the Sabbath. And the Sabbath had come, and the city had stopped. It was a little eerie, and it was cool. Uh, I had actually never experienced anything like that before. And so we've, you know, we've talked about here how the Sabbath is good for you, um, about how it's a good practice to get into. And, and you know, a few weeks ago, Justin said, Sabbath is not a commandment for us to obey, but it is something that we should want to do. It is a wise gift to be enjoyed by his followers. Now, as I was reading scripture, it seems that at different points in the story, God gets disappointed or at least a little frustrated with us when we don't listen to him. And in particular, when we, when we ignore Sabbath. It is something that he's modeled for us. It, it's something that he takes seriously. And, and it is in this spirit that we're going to turn to our story today, um, which actually comes from the prophet Isaiah. So we're going to fast forward a little bit in the story. The prophet Isaiah has, has a word of caution for the people of God. Interestingly, it's, it's not that they are doing bad things this time or that they were performing pagan practices like the people that were living around them. No, this time he, he was focusing on a beautiful and healthy practice that was just being performed poorly or being performed without heart or being performed even hypocritically. They weren't Sabbathing well. And so at this point in the story, the people of God, they, uh, they'd already been conquered, they'd been whisked away, um, and had been living in an exile, and now they are returning home. And they're returning from exile to Jerusalem. They had been deported away, and while they were away, the land that they were living in was ravaged and destroyed in their absence. And so they came home to difficult circumstances. You know, the, the conditions were difficult. The, the land, and even though they were home, was still under foreign control. This time, instead of the Babylonians, who had conquered them 70 years earlier, it is now the Persians who kind of ruled, ruled the area. And, and for whatever reason, they felt like God's presence just wasn't there with them yet. The exiles have returned home, and they are trying to figure out what life looks like as they try to rebuild everything. So when Isaiah describes a time of, of full restoration for Israel, everything they're experiencing at this moment in time, it doesn't match Isaiah's description. And there's, there's incongruency there. And so Isaiah comes along with a word of caution because, because the people aren't seeking God the way they should. They aren't doing the beautiful rhythms that they ought to be doing. And so our passage comes from Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 58, if you want to turn with me there. It'll be on the screen. And I'm just going to read the last two verses of, of this chapter. But if you turn back your foot from the Sabbath, from doing your pleasure on my holy day, and call the Sabbath a delight, and the holy day of the Lord honorable, if you honor it, not going your own ways, or seeking your own pleasure, or talking idly, then you shall take delight in the Lord. And I will make you ride on the heights of the earth, I will feed you with the heritage of Jacob, your father, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. A few times in this chapter, Isaiah presents uh, his readers with a set of conditions that are 
followed by a promise. And in this time, you know, how to do Sabbath. Earlier in the chapter in verse 2, the, the people are making a good show of appearing to seek the Lord. Uh, in, in, it even says, they delight to know my ways. And they seem to do good or seem to desire to do good. They want to do good. They even consult them when they're making decisions. And, you know, and, and they're eager to, to be with them. At least that's what it looks like. The people were, were, probably, they were probably practicing Sabbath in the same way that they were doing other things to practice their faith, uh, somewhat selfishly and even, as we read, for their own pleasure. Uh, one of the translations that I was reading in preparation for this uh, it, it uses, the, it says this way, it says, if you refrain from trampling the Sabbath, that verb trampling, right? Uh, instead of calling the Sabbath a delight and, fly, and finding pleasure there, they found delight in the things that they wanted to do. I imagine that this is what it means to trample the Sabbath. And I imagine that this is what I've been doing my whole adult life. You see, we are supposed to seek the Lord. We are to try to know his ways, to desire to do good, to consult with him when making decisions. Uh, we are to be eager to be with him, to do the things that, that stir our affections for Jesus. You know, we are to practice Sabbath. And as, as we're learning in the series, it's, it's actually unhealthy not to do that. It's even dumb not to. So we've been using these words, stop, and rest, delight, and worship. They are unique ideas on their own, but there is some overlap. So I'm going to make a note about worship here. In the period after the exile, the rabbis focused a lot on the idea of, of laying aside the day to worship God. The Sabbath became one of the primary means of showing, showing loyalty to God and, and his commandments, and which was uh, particularly important considering that they were living in a foreign land and not able to worship the way that they were used to. And not only that, they were bombarded with the worship of other gods and they were forced to show loyalty to foreign leaders. And so... The emphasis on worship after the exile offered a course correction for God's people. This is why we are worshiping God. This is, this is what we're doing. And so when it came to practicing Sabbath, the people were, were, were acting as if merely doing the activity uh, earned God's blessing. Um, <laughs> it seemed they were more interested in his blessings than they were in him, uh, which I believe led to God's disappointment and and even frustration in, in the people. So the Lord reminds them that if they practice Sabbath the way that he intended, uh, they will find that their joy is in the Lord rather than in the things that he can give them. In a sense, and it says this, God himself will feed them. Not only that, uh, when their focus is on who he is and what he has done for them, they will begin to imitate him in giving themselves to other people. It is here we learn that Sabbath is actually not for you, um, or it, Sabbath is not only for you, it is for you and for others. Isaiah's caution to the people is not to focus on the commandment or the ritual, but to focus on God himself. Um, one of the things interesting about this passage too is that the entire thing is a justice passage. When we practice Sabbath, we embody this personal experience of a fulfilled life 
and it is a public witness for the rest of the world. It's actually a different way to be human, and it is good. Uh, Stephen Smith says, when practice, Sabbath-keeping is an active protest against a culture that is always on, always available, always looking for something else to do. Now, I'm not going to say anything more about this topic because we're actually going to be covering some of this next week. And so, but I, I just wanted to say it out loud because it, it shows up here in this passage. Now, there's this turn that we make as we tell the story because the question now becomes, so what, right? The question now becomes, what does this mean for us? Uh, first, I want to tell you that we are in, being invited into something special. Dan Allender says, the Sabbath is an invitation to enter the light. We have certainly seen and heard how previous generations thought of Sabbath as, as maybe a, a somber day uh, with, a, with a lot of rules. Maybe that was maybe the impression that we had coming in to this sermon series. But now uh, we see how many people also use it just as a day to just relax or like as an excuse day to just unplug, turn off, and oh, I'm Sabbathing, right? Both perspectives sort of, sort of miss the mark. And we've talked about that the last couple of weeks, and we continue to talk about it. It's important. When it comes to fulfilling your Sabbath day, if you ever stop to ask, does this activity stir my affections for Jesus, or does it stir my affections for something else? Do I feel happy or grateful or connected to God as I do it? Uh, author Adele Calhoun says, uh, the God-given fruit of Sabbath is delighting in God, delighting in family, delighting in the seasons, delighting in meals, and delighting in all good gifts of creation. Another, another author says, delight is about activating all five senses. It's found in music, it's found in food, it's, it's found in the sense of flowers and perfumes, and it's felt when we lock hands with someone that we love. The best part of delight is that there's often a surprise element to it. We feel more delight when we least expect it. When we practice Sabbath the way that God intended for us to practice it, the fruit is delight. We strip away all the pretense and the rules, and we are left with great pleasure. And this is pleasing to God. Adele Calhoun says, Sabbath generally hands us hours to look into the eyes of those we love we have time for loving and being loved, right? Now, the second part of this message deals with worship, you know, delight and worship. When it comes to filling your Sabbath day, have you ever wondered the role the worship plays in it? To be sure, practicing Sabbath enhances our enjoyment of God. It enhances our worship of God. Adele, Adele Calhoun, I really love what she writes. Um, she says again that the God-given fruit of worship is delighting in the Lord and living out of gratitude. When we worship the way that God intended for us to practice, the fruit, the fruit is more delight. Are you seeing this like rhythm here? It's like a snowballing effect. For those of you that are keeping score, the God-given fruit of Sabbath is delight and the God-given fruit of worship is delight. I mentioned earlier um, how I just kind of learned what the word delight means. 
Uh, recently, Laura and I started to practice Sabbath together. Uh, for our rhythms, we chose Saturday. Uh, the goal is to spend the whole day together. Go to Ace Hardware, go together. Make dinner, cook together. Have some hobby time. I mean, we have different hobbies, but do it at the same time, together, right? Uh, since, I ha uh, uh, since I have my whole life of not practicing Sabbath, I can tell you that we're not so good at it, but at least we're trying. To help mark the day as special, I made a special purchase. Um, I bought a pair of matching espresso cups in teal. It is Laura's favorite color. And I purposely bought them for Sabbath. So we've got a stovetop espresso maker, and we make homemade cortados. Anybody know what a cortado is? Some people, it's my favorite drink. We sit on the couch together, and we read a devotional book or another book that has some liturgies in it. Yesterday, we, we watched a video together. And this may sound silly to you, but that very first time that we sat down with our little teal espresso cups, it was in that moment that I think I found the meaning of delight. Maybe it's the sweetness of the coffee or the fact that Laura was sitting next to me. Maybe it's the fact that I was not thinking about my to-do list or any other thing. Maybe it's because I know what these cute little espresso cups mean for me and Laura to delight in one another's company and in God himself as we read his word and pray together. I think, there is something, I think there is something there about having special items to help us mark the time. Like, like you know, as, as parents, when you have kids, right, you might have, like, special toys that you only bring out for special occasions, or maybe you have a certain book that you read to them, a special book that, you know, that indicates something. Or, like, when you, in my case, um, visit my grandmother, right, you go visit an older relative, and you sit in the same chair every time as the two of you just try to catch up. It's kind of like tradition. It's, it's a rhythm of life. A friend of mine said it this way, the specialness of the objects helps our brains and bodies catch up. This is not a new idea. In fact, the Jewish people have been practicing Sabbath this way for a long time. Uh, Jewish Sabbath began in the evening when the family set aside all the to-dos of the work week as the lamps were lit, everyone settled into the evening calm of Shabbat. Candles, prayers, blessings, food. It all represented delight and refreshment in the presence of God and each other. When bedtime came, the family rested in God's covenant protection. And I love this. They woke on Sabbath morning to a world they didn't make and a friendship with God they didn't earn. So in that spirit... I want to give you a little bit of homework. I want you to pick an activity to do with your family or with someone from your community group or just a friend. I want you to be intentional about what you are doing and why you are doing it. I want you to, to pick, and if you want to try this, pick an item to bring with you to mark the time together. Traditionally, there are 12 activities that mark Sabbath practice, uh, lighting the candles, blessing the children, eating a meal, singing, worshiping with your community, walking, napping, napping is on, Justin, hey yo. Um, making love to your spouse, 
reading, spending time with God alone, spending time with family and friends, gratitude. I share this list with you uh, to get you thinking. You don't have to do any of the things on the list, but I'd like you to try something. Consider, too, what you might need to stop doing in order to create space for some of these activities. What about my regular routine? Would I need to stop in order to experience the Sabbath? What is restful for me? What brings me an easy delight? What is worshipful way? What is a worshipful way that I can connect with God? Another thing you can try is something called uh, pleasure stacking. I'm going to end on this idea. This is a fun idea. Uh, you've heard, you might have heard this before. Uh, psychologists have this principle. Um, this, it's a pleasure, pleasure principle. Say that ten times fast. Where on a birthday or like an anniversary, you stack like five or six th- of your favorite things to do. Uh, like a couple of weeks ago, you know, we had Father's Day. I love to cook and I love to play games. And so, you know, the family was like, what do you want to do? Well, I want to cook for you and I want to play games. And so on Father's Day, that's what we did. And it was special, right? Um, you can stack five or six of your favorite things to do into one day, right? To make it special. And, and I mean, why not try this on Sabbath? Why not make a short list of things that bring you delight and just do all of them? Or as many as you can, I suppose. As you plan to practice Sabbath, as you've been engaging with the challenges that Justin has brought each week, and then this new challenge uh, for you today, um, Make a short list of activities that bring you delight and point you to Jesus. And maybe try to stack them all. And then call it Sabbath. Yeah? As we move to the table, um, this is my favorite part of the morning. I want to leave you with this closing thought. Uh, You know, Jesus encounters a lot of people in the Sabbath. Or, I mean, in 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 the Gospels. I meant to say Gospels there. Uh, and, you know, and one day uh, he actually finds himself teaching in a synagogue on a Sabbath. And he heals a woman who had been crippled for 18 years. Um, you know, and so immediately, you know, she's healed. And the first thing she does is starts praising God, right? And obviously there's some people in the, in the group who are not a fan of what's happening. But then there's this crowd of people who are watching all this happen. And, and, they, and they couldn't believe what they just saw. And this is what scripture says. They were delighted with all the wonderful things Jesus was doing. And so as we dine together this morning, as we interact with what it means to practice Sabbath as a community, as a family, as, a, as our own self, let's delight in who Jesus is and what he has done for us and what he will do for us.